0: Hello there, and welcome to In Your Own Kin. I'm your host, Charlotte. I'm a lover of great food, sometimes artist, sleep in advocate, storyteller, mama and postpartum professional in Nam, Melbourne. Each week, I'll be chatting to families about their journey into parenthood, the grandest of adventures. Parenting is beautiful, messy, sparkly, hard work. You were never meant to do this alone. It's time to get comfy. In Your Own Kin. In Your Own Kin acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land where you are listening to today's episode. I pay my respects to elders past, present, and emerging, and recognise that the telling of stories has happened here since time immemorial. In Your Own Kin is recorded by the Birurung on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty of these lands has not and is not ceded, and it remains stolen. This always was, and always will be, Aboriginal land. In this week's episode, Jess shares her parenting journey. Jess lives in New Zealand on the South Island with her husband Jamie, their son Archie, and their two dogs Macy and Moe. Jess speaks really openly and honestly about her pregnancy loss in her first pregnancy in today's episode, and she also shares her emotional health journey following the birth of Archie. Jess's story is raw and beautiful. I know that so many of you will see yourselves in Jess's story, and it is such an honor to be invited into her family's journey. Jess has very kindly shared some resources that have supported her, and you can find these in the show notes, as well as the details for Pink Elephants. This episode is in two parts, there were just too many gems to cut anything out. Both of these are available now, so after you've listened to this part, make sure you head on over and catch the second part. Without further ado, I'll hand on over to Jess. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today, Jess. It's an absolute pleasure to have you joining me today. I'm
1: so lovely to see your gorgeous face again. I know. It feels crazy. So excited to be here. It feels crazy that um, after all these years, we're finally, yeah, like sort of come full circle, I suppose. Absolutely. Time flies. I know. Wild. (laughs) So wild.
0: Would you like to begin by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Who's in your
1: family and where you're living at the moment, Jess? Yeah, so we live in New Zealand. I'm from Australia. My husband's name is Jamie. He's a builder. And we have a little boy, Archie, who is two and a bit, two and a half. And we have two dogs. We've got Macy and Mo. They're golden retrievers. Who <laughs> are, um, <laughs> it's like having three children, I suppose. People would probably be know. like, uh, no, but it is. <laughs> And, um, yeah, so we live in the South Island of New Zealand, right down the bottom, deep south, I suppose people would call it. We're about an hour and a half from Queenstown, 20, 30 minutes north of Invercargill. And this is my husband's hometown, so this is where he's from. And we we met in Australia, tiny little home, my hometown's Esperance, and that's where we met, which was crazy, I suppose, meeting I had just moved home. I'd been living away and just moved home. Hadn't planned to stay and um, ended up moving back in with my parents at home <laughs> after saying, I'm never coming back. I'm a independent as you are as a, <laughs> how old is that, 18, 19 year old? we just met one random evening there was one nightclub in Esperance and we (laughs) met there I think I was probably a little bit full-on for him which if like if you know me isn't really me at all I'm pretty quiet sort of reserved but yeah this particular night I obviously have my sights set on him and (laughs) the rest is history I guess here we are eight years later living in New Zealand. Oh, Jess, I cannot believe it has been eight years. I know. It's it's just crazy. It honestly feels like yesterday. We, well, we've been married for five years now. We got married uh, end of 2015, New Year's Eve. Epic date to get married. I recommend it to everyone. You're always with your friends, family, celebrating. Then we moved to New Zealand early 2016, So we got married, went on honeymoon and then we moved here and we brought over 12 packing boxes, I think it was, maybe 11 packing boxes, and a suitcase each and that was it. That's all we brought from Australia. And at the time I don't, it wasn't really a process, it was just more of an excitement that we were doing something new, I was going overseas. I don't actually think I'd really process that I was moving countries yeah but like at the time I was like oh this is nothing like you know we're just going on holidays sort of thing and because we had our honeymoon in between so we were super excited about that and then I kind of landed in New Zealand and we had quite a lot on obviously with Jamie's family being over here his brother got married fairly quickly after we arrived which was sort of the reasoning for coming when we did and then, yeah, it was a huge introduction to New Zealand. I got to meet so many people every weekend. We sort of had something on. We were living with Jamie's family at the time and our plan was to stay with them for a little while, maybe find a rental, see if we could buy a house. We didn't really know. Obviously, another of us had jobs at the time and we were kind of just living this like new, newlywed bubble, I suppose, getting to know where, I, where Jamie was from and all of that sort of stuff. It happened... Yeah. So quickly. And then we managed to buy our first house in April of the same year. So 2016, again, that was like another thing. We were buying stuff for the house and I was setting the house up and I just started a new job. Jamie was doing a sort of interim job before he was wanting to get into building to do an adult apprenticeship. And that was probably our first, I don't want to say sh- not really a struggle, Struggle's probably not the right word, but we had been living this life in Australia where, you know, I lived with my best friend. We were going mm. out all the time and Jamie and I could, you know, book a holiday if we wanted to, or like, I mean, it sounds crazy, but he bought a new car because he, you know, wanted to buy a new car. We were just living that life where we were working full-time. We kind of had no commitments, I suppose. We hadn't gotten into any debt, that sort of thing. So we were quite free, I suppose. And um, we came over here and obviously went to the bank, bought a house, and then we were like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> Jamie got an apprenticeship job, which... As you know, apprentices don't usually earn a lot of money straight off and I took quite a massive pay cut. He took a huge pay cut from Australia, which we did know. We did sort of talk about that and we knew that that was going to happen. But that was really my first, I think, reckoning like, Wow, we've actually done this. And now we need mm. to. We combined our finances. We were both on the mortgage. Like I had to change my name. That was a huge thing for me, changing my name over to my married name. And it was just a lot, like a lot sort of happened at that time. And then we, that's when we, I suppose, first started discussing whether or not we wanted to start a family. Like I said, we had a lot on. We were wanting to. Travel, go around New Zealand while also having a house and a mortgage. Yeah, it was hard, but we were still kind of just rolling with it. We were just like, we'll just do this and we can get through it. And we obviously we did. (laughs) Yeah, that was probably that'll probably take us to deciding to start a family. Yeah, let's talk about that. What were those conversations like? We had spoken about starting a family pretty early on in our relationship. We met in 2013 and we were married by the end of 2015 so we had never actually lived together full-time either he was on a farm and I was in town with my best friend and he would just come in sort of when he could and I would go out the farm last year which was when I worked with you yeah. <laughs> was when that was just before we got married and then moved decided to move we had spoken about it quite a lot and we just knew with Jamie's apprenticeship that it wasn't something we wanted to do then in terms of finances and We also had a lot of social things on, engagement parties, weddings and trying to have a social life. It was all establishing those things back for Jamie and also me finding those things. And I sort of got to the point where I kept saying, when are we going to have a baby? When do you think it's the right time? I think I'm ready. And Jamie was always like, okay, I think... We'll just, you know, just wait a little bit longer, which I was always at the mindset, it's both of us. I can't put on him that I'm ready to have a baby. If he's not, it has to be both of us. And it has to come from a place of mutual understanding, mutual kind of, I suppose, wrapping your head around it. For me, it seemed really easy. For Jamie, it was a little bit harder because I have younger siblings they're quite a lot younger than me nine and ten years younger than me and my mum did like family daycare when I was younger so I'd always been around babies like cousins and aunties and uncles that had kids and all that sort of thing so for me it was kind of a natural progression it was about it was in 2017 so the following year we sort of decided I was like look we can we at least try I said I don't we don't know what our future is like I so said. we could decide this day 2017 and we may still be in this exact same position in five years which I think is kind of the epitome of starting a family you just don't know yeah and from my point of view I was like I was always the one who was like okay well if we conceive in this month then I'll have my summer baby born in January and then they'll be, you know, always have birthdays then and yeah. all of this kind of logical timeline step-by-step. Step, this is what we should do and this is how it'll work. So does not work like that, <laughs> not in my case anyway. We yeah, sort of decided I'd gone to the doctor, I'd been checked out, um, started taking some like prenatal sort of stuff that you can get over here and then we fell pregnant in... To be in March. We'd actually had a huge weekend with friends away. The following week, I had this feeling, and I've always said that to friends or people that have asked, How did you know that you were pregnant? And I just had this overwhelming feeling. I wasn't like nauseous or any other sort of symptoms. I just had this feeling that I was. And I went and got a pregnancy test, did the pregnancy test. I was at home by myself. (laughs) And kind of I guess have this picture in your mind where you're like your husband's sitting there with you and you know you put it face down and you are going to time like how long it takes for it to return a test and you're sitting there like you know holding hands or whatever yeah totally it's like an advert (laughs) yeah and then I did it and it sort of it came up and it was positive and I'm like well (laughs) I was at home by myself I'm like well what do I do now like (laughs) do I ring Jamie and I'm I can't exactly remember, it was a very long time ago. I'm pretty sure I'm I sort of waited. And I sort of told him and he, I just like brought it out to him and was like, oh, like I decided to do this today, you know, like I decided to buy milk from the grocery store no and I bought a pregnancy <laughs> test too. Both of us were kind of stunned. I don't we weren't emotional, but we were kind of just looking at each other like, what now? Like it's it's happening. Especially me being in New Zealand. I had no idea of the next steps, which I think I probably wish I had have looked into a little bit more because you get wrapped up in the excitement of starting a family and adding to your family and what that looks like from you know a financial perspective, your living perspective, your marriage as well. I was kind of like, well, what do I do now? Do I need to go to the doctors? Do I need to go to the hospital? I really had no idea. That time I wasn't super close with people who had had a baby or were pregnant in New Zealand. That was pretty difficult. The I suppose my saving thing is my husband uh, has a family member who works at the medical centre. But then I was also like not wanting to tell anyone that we were pregnant. And I kind of was of that mindset that, this was our little like, private thing and we needed to deal with it first before we could extend that out. Like We wanted to kind of have that for a little while and um ended up going to the doctors and had blood tests and stuff. That was all fine. My dad actually was over at the time and so we were doing lots of things with dad. Dad didn't even tell my dad actually to be honest to start with. Got a blood test, the HCG blood test and then we went away for the weekend and I remember I'd done a pregnancy test at the doctor's surgery that came back positive so we were like cool wasn't just home one had blood tests and then I was waiting for the results and at the same time I sort of I was experiencing I suppose mild cramping sort of pain unusual I could tell that I had, you know, like pretty sore boobs and was feeling slightly yucky. I would have been about maybe five or six weeks at that point, I think. Um, by the time I'd done the test, had time with dad, kind of went in, seen the doctor, that kind of thing. And at that point, that was when the doctor told me that he wouldn't actually, because he was my GP that I sort of seen from when I first moved over here. And I just assumed in Australia, like what it is in Australia, that or in Esperance in any case, you have your GP that you go to sort of for your appointments and if you have any concerns, you know, you can make an appointment and then you have like your hospital staff, like midwives, that kind of thing if you need those. But over here you are under a, a lead maternity care, an LMC, which is a midwife, and so he sort of said there's a medical centre and the next door they have a maternity home. And he said, oh, if you go over there, they have like contact details for, a, for the midwives in the local area. Rung a couple and they were busy and one of them actually sent me over to her. I don't think all uh, midwives over here work in tandem, but this lady said, I can recommend a really great midwife for you. And I was like, awesome, give me her number, I'll give her a call. And so then they set up like your ultrasound appointments, your blood test appointments, your appointments to see them. Like they kind of set all of that up in sequence. So I would had an appointment where I had a phone call with her. I can't remember if I'd met with her already I think I had so that she could sort of put me on her books and then I was due to have a scan at 12 weeks and I was happy with that I didn't know anything about dating scans or that I could request dating scans I knew my dates exactly so I wasn't worried about sort of those things being out we were due to go away so she was like go away like have you know enjoy your time with your dad and then we'll come back you know scan and while we were away I experienced pretty severe sort of lower abdominal pain and I was just like oh Things are happening down there. Probably normal. wasn't worried about. It, I wasn't concerned at all. My blood test came back; it was fine. And then it came to, um, yeah, our twelve week appointment, and such a strange day. Like even looking back on the day now, I think I probably knew that something wasn't quite right, but mm-hmm. I'd never experienced this before. I didn't know what to expect. And it wasn't the usual person who does the ultrasounds. It was a stand-in person. And I sort of knew as soon as like the little thing went onto my stomach and Jamie was sitting away from me. He wasn't right next to me, which um, was really hard when she told us, she said, oh, look, I'm really sorry. There's no heartbeat. The baby's not measuring the right size for what we think you're Dates should be, or what you, we think your weeks should be, and she said, "Is there any way that you know possibly they're not right?" And I was like, "Nope." I'd been tracking my ovulation and periods, and had a little calendar. Like I'd been doing it, everything that I thought you know was right, I suppose mm-hmm. for preparing to have a baby. And I just remember looking at Jamie, and I was like, "Like you're so far away," mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like we were just sitting in this room. Yeah, it was hard, obviously, like being told. Like totally left field that um we didn't have our baby. Yeah, was measuring only eight weeks at that point. So it had gone like four weeks without growing. So by that point, and I looked at this lady, I was like, um, what now? <laughs> you know, like oh, what dear. what what do we do? I think that was like compounded by being in. New Zealand, where which was my home, I'd made this place my home. And I made sure that, you know, I always I always knew that. Like obviously Esperance, Western Australia, Australia is my home, like my home country. Mm. But I'm really conscious of calling this place my home too, because it is. Like that's where we were making our home, making our family was over here. And then I was and like Jamie, you know, I went I called on him for so much when we moved here because He's from here. He knew where to go. Like I remember thinking, if any of my friends listen to this in New Zealand, I remember thinking Invercargill was huge. Like it was a massive place compared to Esperance. And now that I've lived here, it's not really. There's no really tall buildings. Like it's literally in like one road from my house pretty much takes you to Invercargill and that's the main street. Like it's not not huge. (laughs) um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then at the time I was like, I didn't even know like kind of how to get to this appointment, you know, like how the hell am I supposed to know where to go from here? Like literally, and also like emotionally and like, who the hell do I contact? And this lady said, I'll pass this on to your midwife. The scans do need to be reviewed by another person just to make sure that what I've seen, what I'm measuring, what I'm checking is correct. And she said, I will let you know that I am positive that what I have seen is correct. She said, I need to let you know that so that, you know, we're kind of not going away with, I guess, a bit of false hope. Um, not that she said that, but that was kind of why she reassured us or reiterated to us that I'm positive, this is what I've seen. And then she said, I'll pass this over to your midwife and she will be in contact with you. And one of the other, like, strange things was I hadn't told anyone at work what that we'd found out we were pregnant and... It just happened to be that I didn't work Monday, so the appointment was for a Monday, and it just happened to be that I told my boss before I left on Friday that I had a scan on Monday. And I remember thinking I i need to tell her in case something isn't quite right or maybe I need to take another day off and so she can sort of understand why and I'm so glad that I did that I'm so glad that I reached out to her and just kind of gave a bit of a heads up because then I I did I ended up needing to do that and I was able to just send her a text and just say hey you know things didn't go very well yesterday she was like totally fine like you know take the time you need which is amazing Yeah, then my midwife contacted me and sort of said, you have an appointment down at the hospital. She organises all of that. And she said, if they haven't phoned you by the end of the week, let me know. And I hadn't heard anything by Thursday. So this was Monday. I hadn't heard anything by Thursday. I'd gone into work on the Wednesday. So I'd taken the Tuesday. I'd gone into work because I, I felt fine. There was nothing physically telling me that I wasn't pregnant anymore. Like, obviously I knew this information, but Mm. there was nothing else really. So I was like, I just need to, which when I say it now is quite sad, but I was like, I just need to get on with it. I just need to go to work, do my job, do that, and then figure the rest out later. And this was the week Mm. before Christmas as well, which retail land is like the wildest part of the year. (laughs) Which is really crazy that in my brain, which I think if my boss heard this, she'd probably be horrified. But in my brain, I was like, I need to be at work. I need to be helping them. And I need to be, you know, this is where I need to be for today, which is crazy. But yeah, everything had obviously been flipped upside down. So I was like, I'll just go do normal stuff, or do normal things. And then phoned my midwife and said, Look, I haven't heard anything. I'm not really sure if. I leave this any longer, we're going into Christmas, which then means it'll be another week. And I didn't really know what was going to happen with my body. I didn't know if I would just stay this way or if my body would naturally miscarry, which I really had no idea. I hadn't ever thought that it would be part of our life or part of our story, I suppose you would say. And did your midwife walk you through that at all or was that all just... Kind she,
0: of, you'll get an appointment at the hospital.
1: Yeah, so it was more that the hospital would then tell me what mm. they were going to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if that's because it was more up to the hospital. I felt supported with her in the way that she said, if they haven't phoned you, I can ring them and I'll let them know. And she was quite adamant that I needed to be seen fairly quickly. That was a Thursday and she... Rung them on the Thursday, and I had an appointment that very same day. And I had to ask my co-workers like, "Where do I go? <laughs> I've never been to the hospital here. Couldn't, couldn't even tell you where it is. I'd heard of that. I work at I work in a pharmacy, so I've seen countless prescriptions from this place. No idea, like, no idea. Went down there, and they sort of gave me rough directions. And even now, I could not tell you how I got into that room. Like, mm. I do not remember walking in, who I seen, who I told, where I was, none mm. of that stuff. Like, and I've never really thought about that before until sort of preparing for today. But I don't know whether I just kind of blanked it out or I was on autopilot, like, in oh my God, this is what I need to do, this is the next thing. I do think because of the different, like the different times, so because I was measuring eight weeks and my baby was, I was supposed to be 12 weeks along, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's very common, which, again, I didn't really know what questions to ask. I didn't know. And by that point I was like, okay, this is kind of out of my scope of knowledge. I hadn't Googled anything. I didn't want to know from Google, I suppose, so I relied on the Mm -hmm. people at the hospital to tell me the information that I needed to know. And I got given pamphlets and like a piece of paper, and I remember reading something about a tablet that you can take or that is um can be taken to sort of help things along and I was like, oh maybe that's an option. And when I spoken to Jamie, I said, I just want to have surgery. I was like, I want to be knocked out and I want them to deal with this and do that. So I don't know. I don't want to do anything, which is really sad. Because I didn't ask the questions about what had what had gone on. And the doctor that I seen, I honestly don't think he had any experience with probably my situation or even possibly talking to women about this really delicate time. Mm. I sort of was given some pamphlets on um what I was going through and that was the first time that it was acknowledged that it was a missed miscarriage. I didn't even actually know that was a thing. And see that's another thing. I don't know whether yeah maybe my midwife should have said something but he said to me that I would be needing surgery, and I was like, "Cool, that's what I wanted anyway." So I didn't even know the other options or why they recommended surgery, what the surgery would be. And then that's when he gave me another pamphlet. And when I left, I'd said to Jamie, "I've actually got more information from the pamphlet than I did from the person sitting oh, in yes. front of me. and i don't I don't think that was it wasn't the doctor's fault that he, Maybe he should have asked more questions or had like, hey, I'm not comfortable with this. Like it was probably a whole series of things that should have happened differently to how they did. Mm. But in the end, I was happy that I was being scheduled for surgery and he said, come in tomorrow, which was Friday. I had gone back to work and just said, look, I'm going to be off on Friday and I didn't work Mondays anyway. So I was like, cool, go in on Friday. I've got Saturday, Sunday, Monday to recover. I'll be back ready for work and then Christmas. Like all logical things. I was never really thinking of it from my emotional
0: perspective
1: or like how else can I be supporting myself or how else do I need to be supported through this, it was a very mm. like logical, "I've got to do this because I've got this on and this is what we're going to do." And I suppose maybe a coping mechanism, I suppose Absolutely. as well. What blew my mind, and even to this day, and I do think it's something that I should explore more, but to this day, I do not understand the process of how it works. Maybe it's just my area or my hospital, I'm not really sure.' You're going for day surgery, and I've had day surgery before you go into the waiting room, you get put into a sort of in line, you get your name called up, you go through to another room. And I was allowed to have two people. So I had Jamie and his mum was there. I was kind of like, and again, like logical brain, I'm going to be in here. I'm going in at seven o'clock in the morning. I'll get my surgery before lunch. Be all done. I can go home. I can rest. Jamie's mum came down sort of thinking, you know, might be done lunchtime. And then they get you like dressed in your gown and you've got obviously you have to take all of your clothes off and you're in a hospital never been in this area before mm. you get all like your pre-op stuff done and then I seen the gynecologist so she came in and was kind of asking me like and that was at the first point when someone actually said to me like you obviously know what you're in here for like explaining all of those things oh to me goodness. and I was like uh, like yep which was I kind of liked because it was the first time someone had sort of said, do you understand what's happening? And I said, well, no, I don't. I said, I don't know what's going on. So I've been told I'm coming in to have surgery and, you know, I'm fine with that, totally fine with surgery, wasn't worried about that part of it. And then she, this part's going to be really hot, she said to me that um, it wasn't looking like we were going to have the surgery that day. Oh, Jess. It still gets me. Take your time. And and I said to her, I was like, what do you mean? We've been waiting here for hours and I'm in like a hospital gown. I've got, you know, I was making jokes with Jamie about having to put my socks on because those things are impossible to get on, (laughs) like your pre-surgery socks. They got the little like toes hanging out the end, you know, had a robe on and I'm sort of the one, I suppose, that I'm usually the one supporting other people. Like if it was my husband having surgery, I'll be the one like, are you okay? okay? What do you need? I'll have, you know, everything packed in my bag that you could possibly ever need. Whereas like at this time, like he didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. And then I just said to this lady, I was like, it's not my fault, you know. It's not my fault that my baby's still there. No. And the other, like, wild thing is that it was never acknowledged that it was or it could have been a baby. Mm. And I even remember reading it on a piece of paper. It was one of the pamphlets that they give you and it just says that it's because the fetus wasn't over 12 weeks. It's not classified as a baby. Mm. And then I was kind of like, oh my God, it's just a fetus. (laughs) Which It was, that's exactly what it was. But I was kind of like, there's no acknowledgement of what I am going through, like what I am in here for. And at that moment, that doctor was kind of like, okay, like, I'm pretty sure everyone in like the pre-op room probably could have heard me going wild at this poor doctor who oh, was geez. just asking me questions, but she was kind of confused as well. And I found out that it was actually only her third day at mm. this hospital. She'd transferred, I think, from the UK and she was amazing. She was really great. But if she hadn't have asked me those questions, I don't think I probably would have had the space to open up. Oh, and... She was kind of like, look, I'm going to see what I can do. And you could sort of tell that she was like, oh, my God, what what am I going to do? Because it wasn't her. It wasn't her saying you're not having this today. It was just the whole process. And you know what? Like I do understand the day surgery. You can be bumped off if it's not, I suppose, an an emergency. Mm. So in hospital terms or in I don't know what you would even call it, I wasn't an emergency. I wasn't, uh, I was more of an elective, I suppose you would say, because I was fine. She ended up leaving and I was kind of like, what am I? I said, what am I supposed to do? I said, are you asking me to go home? And then I'll come in on Monday. And I said, so will I get my surgery on Monday? And she said, And I was like, I've already had to take two days off this week or three days off work this week, like, oh, this poor lady. And then I said, so am I going to come in on Monday and get my surgery? And she was like, well, you'll come in at 7 o'clock and do the same thing. I said, so you're telling me that I might not get it on Monday? And I said, so do I come back on Tuesday and then do I come back on Wednesday? Mm. Um, She was kind of looking at me like, oh, my God, this is really like unravelling. And then she said, I'm going to go and see what I can do. And thankfully, which I wish I knew who this person was, but my the anaesthetist said that he would stay on that day. He was meant to go home at lunchtime, I think, and he decided to stay. And then I, that's when I found out that there was actually another lady in the hospital who was in for the same procedure. And the DNC procedure takes, I think, 20 minutes all up. It's probably more prep and post that takes the longest part. And then I was like, how can this happen? Like, is it just... I don't know, might the hospital that I went to? And I was like, does this happen everywhere? Like, do other women have to go through this exact same process of the actual, like, the whole monumental preparation of even going into hospital and then having that procedure? It's It blew my mind that it wasn't something that they can schedule in for their day. And I even like to this day, I wish, and that's probably something that I hope I can do in my lifetime is to find out why that happens. It's such a huge emotional toll on women and their families. And it happens so often, which is even sadder. Mm. And for me who, I mean, work in a pharmacy, I come from like a health background. I've never ex- really experienced or known anybody who'd had a miscarriage prior to me. And since... I've had mine. It's heartbreaking how many people I know of now who've experienced it. None with the same sort of line that I had to go down. But that was, I think, compounded on the fact that I was in a different country to my home country. And this whole time, like, even Jamie was like, "Do you want to? Do you want to go home? Like, do you want to fly home and have this done?" And I even said that to the doctor. I was like, "Oh, well, can I fly back to Australia?" I said, "I could probably fly back to Australia, and come back here in the time that it takes." Like totally ridiculous but that was obviously just outpouring of emotion like how can this be happening to people and i like that's kind of where i was thinking even then it wasn't even just for myself it was for everybody else who's had to go through that or mm. who hasn't been in, like been informed of what's going on mm. once i did get the surgery that day that's the most <laughs> important thing so i did get it done that day and afterwards i sort of just felt this lift. I was like, you know, I can start healing now. I can go through and I can start healing. And I had um, Monday off work. The healing process was actually quite good. And then, yeah, I had Christmas and as we planned to announce that we were having a baby at Christmas time and we just happened that we knew we were going to be in New Zealand, which in a way is probably a good thing because I probably would have been flying home around that time otherwise. So I don't know what things would have looked like if I had to have gone home where I hadn't been living for over a year. So I don't, I don't know. But yeah, that was sort of that part of it, I guess. Oh, Jess, I don't even know what to say
0: to that. There are just so many holes in the system, aren't there?
1: Yeah. And that's, that's a thing. It's something that I've, I'd never been exposed to before or had heard of, of happening Because I was there for so long. So we arrived at seven o'clock and didn't leave until seven that night. I could see people coming in and out, in and out. So people that arrived after me were going in for surgery and then coming out again. And to me, I was like, why can't I be scheduled like that? Like why? And I totally understand. It's not a very big hospital and it was all funded. Like it's not, and that's not even a thing. It's not even coming down to money, but it was quite insignificant that, you know, I could just be kind of bumped off the list because it's not emergency, but it is on my emotional health and my mental health. Which I think needs to come into account probably a little more often than it does. Mm. And just such a huge responsibility for
0: you, Jess, that like the... I just feel like there were so many opportunities for a support team to actually support you.
1: Yeah. And And that was when I hadn't, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, it was. And these are the people that I was trusting with. Like, I wasn't even, I don't even think I remember asking any questions about being put under a general anesthetic or what the healing process would be like, did not even register because I was just so wrapped up in this like how can they send me away? Like what are my options here? And there were none. Mm. It was just to like come back later. And I hadn't built a relationship with my midwife yet to, I've learned since then, it does develop over time because you are seeing them and you're trusting them with your care, which I think it wasn't anything on my midwife's part, but at that time, because it's so sensitive, it's, it is kind of up to them to be checking in and asking you these things or how you're feeling about it. Because Absolutely. Who, like who else is? And like Jamie had no idea. And like he's going through it as well I and mean, then he's Absolutely. also seen me having surgery. Like it's just, it's wild. And was your midwife
0: present at the hospital or was that a complete handover
1: of care? It was a handover. So I didn't see her, I didn't see her again actually after that. She checked, like she rang and she checked in with me. When we felt pregnant with Archie, I think probably one of the best things in that they have in New Zealand healthcare is the program that they have for midwives and the care that they give to moms and women. Mm. It's amazing. Like it's so good to have that. And I've spoken to friends that have had babies in Australia and they're like, oh, my God, is that what you get in, in New Zealand? Like, is that what it's like? I'm like, yes. But I was kind of like let down on one side. And I'm not going to then kind of go and say, well, where were you? Because, you know, I'm going through this on my own. Like, This is my own thing to deal
0: with. Oh, Jess. Yeah. There's so much scope, isn't there, to be supporting families through miscarriage. I feel yeah. like there is so much that we need to learn from in this space
1: definitely and that's the thing it's part of it's part of having a family in some cases in a lot of cases it's you know the the process that you don't think will be part of it but it is and I Mm. think that's what needs to be addressed more so it's not bringing it up you know when a mum's coming in and they're like oh there's the possibility of having you know it's not that side of it but it's acknowledging that it's there and that it happens and that's Women do need the support without actually saying, like, I need support. You know, yes. like that should be part of it is it needs to be there. Absolutely.
0: And an honouring of that baby because that baby was wanted and it was loved and you had hopes yeah, and dreams
1: for them.
0: 100%. Mm. Oh, I'm so sorry, Jess. Yeah.
1: It's, um, and I sort of like reflect on it now and, you know, it gave us, like, we got Archie. You know, mm. when the time sort of came around for like due dates and things, I was always like, oh, you know, I wonder, I wonder what it would be like. But I suppose that's, you know, it's always going to be like that. It's kind of there. It's part of our part of our life now. And mm. um, I've found real solidarity in talking to other friends that have experienced it. Yeah. And I've sort of felt that, you know, they've then come to me and said, you know, you've told me about your story or yeah. I've heard, what you've gone through. And she said, you know, it's it's part of me now too, like it's part of my story. So I'm like, you know, if I could help someone to share their story or to not feel ashamed about it or, you know, stigmatised by it, like, oh, my God, that poor lady. Because then that's, that's sort of going into Archie's, like conceiving Archie. The people that we chose to tell that we'd lost a baby, was obviously like immediate family and a few friends but that kind of carries over into they were trying for a baby or they must have been wanting to extend their family you know like it's kind of this continuation on whereas usually that's quite a private thing mm. but i found talking about it and then when we feel pregnant with Archie we didn't tell everybody but I was kind of like we've already been through this you know, we've been through the worst of the worst that we could go through. Mm. And now, like, we're ready to move on. Like, we're ready to go forward. But the, other, the crazy thing of falling pregnant with Archie, which this was in December 2017, and we fell pregnant with Archie in must have been March 2018. He was born in December 2018. So, pretty much a year I think it was within a couple of days of when I'd had my surgery the previous year I had Archie we had Archie oh, wow. and just and that's all happened within a year of of each other which is just crazy because then we sort of just kind of I suppose through <laughs> through all caution to the wind and were like oh what the heck if it happens it happens didn't I wasn't tracking anything I wasn't looking at anything I was like this is I'm, I can't control this and I know that now. I cannot control the outcome of, of this. I need to look after myself and our family and we made that decision to try again. That sort of brought, I think, its own emotions with it because I did the pregnancy test. <laughs> this is also funny was my mum was over this time. Oh, my God. The last time it was dad and this time it was mum and nan and they just had like a spontaneous trip planned I did the pregnancy test and I was like, same thing, I had this feeling and then followed closely by that feeling of knowing was like a feeling of dread almost, which is so, it's a hard thing to point because that's Archie. Like when I talk about it now, that's my little boy, Mm. that's who it was. But at that time I was like, oh, no. And I put it off and I put it off and put it off and because mom was over, I kind of needed to know. I was like, well, I kind of need to know if I, you know, should I have a couple of drinks or should I be doing this or eating, you know, all those things. I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. And same thing, did it. <laughs> did it in our bathroom. Jamie was at work and then I rang him and I was like, you need to come home. And he was kind of like, what the heck? heck is going on he's like I'm not wet I was like you need to come home for lunch now and I don't know whether he thought that I was like I don't even know poor thing probably freaked him out and then I showed him and he was kind of like dumbfounded and he's like well I have to go back to work now (laughs) (laughs) I was like oh sorry (laughs) I mean it was probably quite mean because for him he was like how am I going to concentrate and like he was going through his own emotions from the previous time as well I kind of had said to him, I was like, I don't want to scan and I'm not ringing a midwife and I'm not doing any of this stuff because I'm not ready. I don't want to do that yet. Mm. A lot of that came from a place of fear of it happening again, which I think will follow us if we ever decide to have another baby. I think that'll sort of follow us everywhere, which I'm sure a lot of other people who've had miscarriages can relate to. Absolutely. And it's this sort of push and pull of, oh my goodness I'm freaking out it's gonna happen again mm. can't go through that to like oh my god we're like we're pregnant absolutely having a baby like I sort of I do feel a little bit robbed in a case because mm. I don't didn't just have that pure excitement of this new person that we created which is Archie that's mm. it's him now yeah my pregnancy was fairly straightforward. I um I went with the same midwife actually as last time. And the first phone conversation I had with her, she was like, "I am so happy that you decided to phone me." And she said, oh, "I am Jess. so thrilled for you and Jamie." And she was like, "I am so excited to have you." And she was thrilled for us. And I really felt that when I spoke to her on the phone. Oh, yes. And so I sort of knew from that moment that it was it was the right decision. I never doubted her ability as a midwife or the care that she gave us previously. Yeah, like my pregnancy was pretty straightforward. I had like, you know, typical nausea, et cetera. And then we had, we got to our anatomy scan and that was 20 weeks. I went in and Archie wasn't playing ball. At that time, we didn't know it was a boy or a girl. We didn't want to know. Yeah, he wasn't cooperating. The sonographer couldn't get the right photos of his heart. So we went for a walk around the block, jiggled around. All this stuff still did not move. And then he said, look, I'd like to see you back at the next available appointment because he said, it's not that I think anything's wrong. I just, I need to make sure I get these images to kind of satisfy both what is is needed, but also myself. He said, I need to make sure that I can see everything that I want. Yep, that's totally fine. Weren't worried about it. We couldn't get in until like five weeks later. So I was 25 weeks. And at the 20 week scan, he had asked if I'd had like a previous baby. And I said, well, I've had a missed miscarriage but no, I haven't carried a baby to term. And he was like, oh, baby's measuring a little bit big, which is totally normal, like could plateau, could track that way. Like he wasn't too worried and he was an amazing sonographer. He was great. Is so funny. He's great to deal with. He's so reassuring. And even from our 12-week scan, he was... He knew what we'd been through and literally the first words that left his mouth was, there's the baby's heartbeat. Oh. As soon as he put the thing on my stomach, that was like, and I was like, oh my God. And he turned the thing on like the sound straight away. Like he just knew. Oh, and I was like, thank you. Like it was totally different experience because obviously we were very nervous. And then, anyway went back at 25 weeks and he got all the images he needed everything was perfect and fine and then he said oh baby's still measuring quite big I think he was like three or four weeks ahead and at 26 weeks like my belly just grew like it was I don't want to say it doubled but <laughs> much bigger like when you look at comparison photos side by side it's like whoa there's a baby there <laughs> and I'm quite short quite small myself was tracking along fine i like, felt really good. I loved being pregnant, actually. I mean, I say that, but I had a lot, you know, heartburn, nausea. I had really painful, sore feet and I was on my feet all day and I ended up going to the doctor and I must have like, he said that i had torn or stretched the ligaments in my feet. You know how that like, relaxing is producing your body when you're pregnant and they were excruciating. I had to have them strapped every day and... Then we went on holidays at 30 weeks to a cousin's wedding in Queensland and I blew up. The weather, was beautiful. I was like, yes, I can sun around in the, in the pool and all my cousins were like, oh, my God, like, look at you. And honestly, family... They're the only people in the world that would get away with it. Not the like, right thing like, to you're say. Quite, like, like you're, you're quite big, aren't you? And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not that big. I loved, like, they were just loving on my belly and I loved being pregnant. I loved that look. I was so confident and, like, I was wearing, mm. you know, bikini and dresses and never felt so good, actually. Mm. I was so puffy from the hot weather, and they were all fussing over me. You need to put your feet up, like you need to put them up. I'm like, I'm fine. They're like, no, you need to sit down and put your feet up. I was like, okay, Aww. and like I am quite small, so I had these like little sausages for toes, and like <laughs> could not wear any shoes because my feet were so swollen, and oh, still felt amazing though. I thought I was beautiful. I mean, I was. And then came home, which was, I was so grateful we got to have that little breakaway. And then I had another scan, 33 weeks at that point. My midwife had said to me, Oh, it feels like there's quite a bit of fluid around your baby. And because over in New Zealand, you get, or your LMC, so you see them from the start to the finish and postnatal Amazing. is the one person, which is incredible. It's so good. So you see them every sort of four to six weeks over your pregnancy. And then when you get to 30 weeks, it's every 2 weeks so i was having quite regular checkups with her and she either does home visits And she also had a clinic. So I'll just go to her clinic because it was in, I work half an hour from our little town. We'll just call in and see her. She does like heartbeat checks and which is so reassuring. It's actually amazing. Before you can start feeling baby, you kind of, I think always have that nagging feeling like, oh, is everything okay? Or like, you know, what way are they? Where are they sitting? You know, all that kind of thing. And having those regular checkups is so reassuring. It's so good because you can ask questions and that's what the time's for. If you have any concerns and- that's one part of it that is incredible over here yeah she said got quite a bit of fluid around baby she said it's nothing to be worried about and but it does need to be monitored and I remember just being in awe I was like how does she know <laughs> she's only looking at my belly like how does she know that there's too much fluid in there and she's like, oh baby's just quite bouncy like she said I can feel him but he does feel like he's bobbing around quite a lot. Obviously, I had was carrying quite a bit of fluid anyway. I had a scan and baby was still measuring quite ahead. And again, he said to me, have you been tested for um, gestational diabetes? I was like, yep, all fine. And then I was worried that I'd have to go back and get another test. But my midwife was really great. She was like, look, I'm not worried that your baby's too big. She said, I don't like using that term and I don't mm. like it defining your pregnancy or what we do for leading into your labor or during your labor she said I don't like making it a thing which was so great like because so you obviously really I relied sad. on her for all of that stuff mm. getting closer to the time I just remember feeling so great my belly was growing and I was quite big <laughs> I know people sort of say and I hate commenting on other people's pregnant bellies like oh she's really small or, oh she's so big oh, it's only because she's tall or she's carrying this carrying that <laughs> I just don't do it And then I was even talking to a friend the other day and I said, I think my size made other people uncomfortable because they were like, how is she moving? (laughs) How like how is she getting around and even my mom said to me she was like you didn't even waddle or anything she's like but you just carried that around like you had a flat stomach and like nothing was even there and I was like I didn't feel that big though and I'm like maybe that helped that I was just so oblivious oh my gosh it's so good you look gorgeous (laughs) and I felt it too I felt so
0: good just a reminder that you can keep listening to Jess's gorgeous story in part two